Snapchat's parent company, as well as logistics firm Molo Solutions, are joining the leasing momentum of Fulton Market. And I'll talk with Crane's healthcare reporter, Stephanie Goldberg, about major pandemic-induced burnout among another group of medical workers besides doctors and nurses, pharmacy workers, and how some pharmacists are responding ahead of cold and flu season. One of the pharmacists I spoke with, I was asking, why do you know so many people who have left like within the last few months? Is it just everyone hit their breaking point? And she very quickly was like, no, it's because we're heading into flu season. No one wants to stick around for that. Like, it's going to get worse. I'm Amy Guth, and this is Crane's Daily Gist for Wednesday, September 29th. When it comes to a professional like your doctor or lawyer, you want someone who knows you well. Wintrust believes you should have the same relationship with your banker, someone you can call directly and know they'll understand your concerns. Thousands of local business owners called their Wintrust banker when they needed Paycheck Protection Program loans. They called, Wintrust answered, and helped more than 11,000 local businesses secure funding. Learn more at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. I'm joined by Crane's healthcare reporter, Stephanie Goldberg. So, Stephanie, you've been reporting on burnout in the healthcare industry, mostly doctors and nurses and all that they've had to shoulder so far during the pandemic. But recently, you also took a look at the pharmacy industry. I am guessing it is a very similar story there, but what specifically did you find? That was a very good guess. The answer is yes. So, Pharmacists are not always included in conversations about frontline healthcare workers that have been stretched very thin during the pandemic, which is kind of crazy when you think about it because they are facing much of the same pressures that other healthcare professionals are on the front lines, if not more in some cases, frankly. I mean, they have played like a very vital role in administering COVID tests and then vaccines. Obviously, you know, at the same time, they're also dealing with their normal duties of filling prescriptions and giving out flu shots and, you know, everything else that pharmacists do. They interact with large numbers of customers, which potentially increases their risk of infection. You're in a retail environment. So, you know, not everybody is going to be as respectful about masks as they would in perhaps a hospital. So just a lot of pressures there. And you know what else is really interesting, Amy? I think you and I have kind of talked about this, but I I don't know that that we've talked about it on the podcast, so I want to bring it up. A pharmacist that I spoke with for this piece reminded me of something really interesting, which is that she and her colleagues were seeing people show up to the pharmacy in like late 2019 with weird symptoms and negative flu tests. And this is before the conversation was really playing out in hospitals that were dealing with like very sick patients. The the pharmacist mentioned, you know, nobody was listening to me like or, or to her colleagues at the time. Like they were suggesting that this mysterious virus that was presenting in pharmacies might be the coronavirus that everybody was hearing about overseas. You know, and then a couple months later, obviously, when we had the capability to test in hospitals, we realized, oh, yep, it here it's here. Wow. And so all that early potential exposure, because that was way pre-masking. Nobody was masking then. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was even before we were told don't mask. That was before we realized that masking was an option, many of us at least. So I'm curious, um, you talked with the executive director of the Illinois Pharmacist Association. What did you what did you hear there? He had some really, Garth Reynolds, he had some really interesting things to share just about the burnout and how that may or may you know not be contributing to a staffing shortage. A lot of the the things that are happening in pharmacy are 
are sort of echoed elsewhere in the healthcare sector. You know, burnout was prevalent before the pandemic. COVID-19 has exacerbated a lot of the issues that, that pharmacists and pharmacy techs were dealing with. I also talked to like a lot of pharmacists for this piece, retail pharmacists specifically, a couple who quit during the pandemic, a couple who said they're thinking about quitting. Almost everybody that I spoke with, I think with the exception of one person, said that they know at least someone, you know, in some cases up to 12 people or more who have quit their retail pharmacy jobs during COVID. And that's important for a bunch of reasons, but also because it's happening at a time when retail pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens are looking to staff up. Obviously, we recently learned that booster shots are going to be widespread, you know, for people who want them um, or feel that they need them because of exposure or age. We're expecting expanded eligibility for kids under 12. That is just going to increase the number of people coming into pharmacies looking for help. And this is obviously happening at a time when there is not enough workers. And then also as we're going into cold and flu season. Exactly. Um, And I think that has a lot of pharmacy workers worried one of the pharmacists I spoke with, I was asking, why do you know so many people who have left like within the last few months? Like, what is it about the last few months? Is it just everyone hit their breaking point? And she very quickly was like, no, it's because we're heading into flu season. No one wants to stick around for that. Like, it's going to get worse. Do you have a sense of, of how widespread it is that people are leaving jobs or, you know, at this moment when we see both CVS and Walgreens talking about staffing up so, so profoundly? So I wasn't able to get data. That was what I I really, really wanted to be able to quantify just how many people have left, you know, the retail pharmacy industry specifically over the course of the pandemic. So I have a lot of anecdotal examples of this. I also have like some industry examples. The National Pharmacists Association puts out this well-being index and it's just all self-reported. They ask, you know, pharmacy workers to say, you know, how are you feeling and and other questions of that nature that would sort of shed some light on whether they are at risk of burnout uh, or of making a mistake on the job, which obviously is no small thing when you're dealing with giving people prescriptions and and, and immunizations. They found that 30% are at risk of high distress. That may not seem like a giant percentage, but I don't think we should be ignoring it. Especially as you pointed out, if you are overwhelmed, if you have too much to do, if you're feeling the signs of burnout and fatigue and also handling pharmaceutical drugs, that's a big deal. That's not just, I put the paper in the wrong filing cabinet. That's potentially a huge deal. Yeah, exactly. You know, we talk mostly about CVS and of course, Walgreens. They're, you know, based here in Deerfield. But what about independent pharmacies? Are they about on par with the big you know, mega pharmacy chains, or are they feeling this worse, or do they have more worker retention? So I did talk to someone at the National Community Pharmacists Association. They had a survey that came out in May where they found nearly 90% of the independent pharmacies that responded to this survey reported difficulty hiring pharmacy technicians. Um, It was a survey of 278 independent pharmacies. So We know that they're having trouble staffing up. When I asked about burnout, which is not something that they had been tracking directly, I was told that anecdotally, they see less burnout in independent pharmacies because you have the owner usually on staff. It's a smaller group of people. There's more ability to make changes in real time where like as at a retail pharmacy, you know, you've got 
I'll pick on Walgreens just for this, the sake of this example, but you've got, you know, a corporate team in Deerfield, you've got pharmacies across the nation, and it's really hard to like implement changes quickly or to, you know, report up any issues that you may be facing. So that was sort of anecdotally what I heard on, on the side of the independent pharmacies. And then something that was also in the piece that I thought was really interesting, we've been talking so much about unruly passengers in air travel, but that's something translating to pharmacies as well. Yeah, oh, this part hurts. So the the thing that was a common theme that I heard from everybody is sort of like pharmacists are punching bags a lot of times. You know, a lot of times when you go, this is something that, that Garth Reynolds uh, from the Illinois Association mentioned to me, but by the time customers or patients get to the pharmacy, they've already had a wait at a hospital. They've had a wait for lab results. They've had a wait, you know, at doctor's offices, sometimes more than one. And for some reason, at that point, you know, all of the aggression comes out in a retail store at a pharmacist who doesn't have as much control over the time that you're waiting as maybe you think they do. And it's getting worse during COVID. Again, this is anecdotal that I heard from, from some of the folks I interviewed. As people come in with these questionable prescriptions for drugs to treat COVID that are not authorized by the FDA, like ivermectin, for example, which we've talked about on here. Pharmacists have, you know, training and they have the right and and actually the responsibility to say no to a drug that they think is going to harm you. And in some cases, that means being threatened and screamed at and reported to the board, you know. And so that's just like another thing weighing on folks who are working around the clock right now. Are there any measures that companies are doing to try to support pharmacy workers? So I asked CVS and Walgreens both specifically, like, what are you doing to address burnout? Is this something that you're hearing about? How are you measuring it? And neither of the retail chains responded directly to questions about that. Um, but they did know that, you know, they're trying to make sure patient wait times aren't long and that they're trying to make sure they're adequately staffed so they can keep the regular hours I hope that something is being done, you know, that I just don't have insight into. None of the pharmacists I spoke with knew of any initiatives that were underway. But yeah, unfortunately, I don't have an answer to that. This makes me want to go to my local pharmacy and just say nice, stand at the counter and just say nice things to the pharmacist. Hi, you're doing great today. I know. <laughs> I'm a fan of your work. <laughs> I was going to say hug a pharmacist today, but don't because of COVID. But you should definitely do what Amy said. <laughs> yeah, you should just elbow bump them and be like, you're doing a great job and I'm glad you're here. I don't need anything from you. I'm just glad you're here. <laughs> Give some love. Sometimes that's all you need, right? I mean, not all you need, but sometimes it helps. Sometimes it does help. And yeah, I mean, I, I, that's actually a very good point, though, that I hadn't thought about, about by the time you get to a pharmacist, you've gone through all the stuff, the labs, the wait time, maybe upsetting news, maybe scary, you know, all the stuff and during a pandemic. So even if your ailment has nothing to do with COVID, the fact that, you know, even if you're just going for like allergy medicine, you've gone through some stuff by the time you get to the pharmacist. So I hadn't considered that people, you know, kind of unload all of their angst onto them. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've witnessed it. And then like hearing it from folks who are dealing with it firsthand is heartbreaking. It's something about, I think, being this is what I heard from from pharmacists, but something about being in like a retail environment, like it doesn't feel like the professional atmosphere of like a doctor's office. Like, and so I think occasionally, you know, disgruntled customers or patients just kind of feel like I'm in a store, you work for me. Um, again, this is all what I've heard from the, from the folks that I interviewed, but yeah, it's a bummer. It really is. 
Yeah. And I mean, I wonder what the pharmaceutical workers and pharmacists and pharmacy techs, I wonder if there will be changes. Like a lot of office workers have kind of rethought, do I need to be there? Do I, you know, not that a pharmacist could work remotely, but you know, will there be some kind of changes to, hey, maybe I, my life work balance will be different. Maybe I'll prioritize anti-stress measures or something like that. I think with everything during the pandemic, I think that it will be interesting to see just what, it, what will it look like on the other side? Absolutely. Well, we shall see. And I'm sure we'll talk about this again. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me. Coming up, a cannabis research firm says that Illinois marijuana sales will nearly double this year. We'll talk about that and more right after this. In these uncertain times, it's important to have people you trust by your side. When 11,000 local business owners needed a Paycheck Protection Program loan, they turned to their Wintrust banker to secure funding because that's a relationship they can count on. Businesses are navigating some of the biggest challenges they will ever face. Wintrust is here to answer their calls. They'll answer yours too. Start the conversation at Wintrust.com slash Daily Gist. Member FDIC. This is Crane's Daily Gist. Today's top stories are next. Snapchat's parent company is planning to more than double the size of its office in Chicago and move to a new Fulton Market District building, while local transportation logistics firm Molo Solutions has an even larger deal lined up to join them. According to sources familiar with the deal who spoke with Cranes, in one of two leases that are close to being finalized at 167 North Green Street, Snap is in advanced talks to lease about 25,000 square feet of the building and would relocate from North Clark Street in River North. In the other deal, Molo Solutions is nearing a lease of more than 90,000 square feet in the building, where it would relocate from nearby North Racine. Danny Ecker is reporting this story in detail for Cranes. There's really no end in sight to the leasing streak happening in full market right now. It's really something when you think about how slow things have been throughout most of the central business district. And one of the key reasons, it appears, is that companies that are making decisions about their office space right now are realizing that if they want workers to be collaborating in person, it helps to have a really cool new office. That's what Fulton Market offers. And also some more companies can afford the high rents there if they're able to take less square footage because of the rise of remote work. Uh, Snap and Molo Solutions are two tenants that really underscore that point and continue to show the magnetism that this neighborhood has for fast-growing companies. Portillo's is getting closer to becoming the latest local restaurant chain to make its debut on Wall Street, and it has big plans for future expansion. The Oakbrook-based chain believes it could grow to more than 600 restaurants in the U.S. in the next 25 years, according to a filing with the SEC. And industry experts have predicted that Portillo's will do well as a public company, in part because of its sales volume. According to the filing, each Portillo's location on average does about $7.9 million in sales, and for comparison, according to food industry consultancy Data Essential, McDonald's locations do an average of $2.9 million in annual sales. Chicago area Portillo's do even better, though. Local stores did an average of $9.1 million each in the year ended June 27th. Portillo's joins a growing number of restaurant chains that announced plans to go public this summer after a dry patch of restaurant debuts on the markets. And speaking of restaurants in Chicago, the new version of iconic loop restaurant Petarino's is set to reopen October 5th 
with new owners and a new look. The restaurant has been closed for the entirety of the pandemic. Jay Spice, director of restaurant operations at New Owners, the Good Plate Hospitality Group, told Crane's Ali Marotti that when it does reopen next week, the new Pedarinos will look similar on the inside, but will have some updates. Rich Melman, founder of the Lettuce Entertain You Restaurant Empire, opened Pedarinos at the corner of Dearborn and Randolph in 2001. The group told Cranes in July that the restaurant would change hands, but declined to disclose further details. Its new owners, the Good Plate Hospitality Group, is the hospitality branch of Friedman Properties, a management group and landlord that also operates Nonina in River North, Taco Nano, and the Hap Inn Bar and Grill, both in Northfield. Cannabis research firm BDSA predicts that Illinois marijuana sales will grow 80% to $1.8 billion this year, far outpacing the rest of the industry. The forecast includes both medicinal and recreational marijuana sales. According to state figures, recreational sales in Illinois totaled almost $122 million in August. July, fueled by holidays and Lollapalooza, was the strongest month at just under $128 million. BDSA says that Illinois and Massachusetts are among the states reporting the fastest sales growth. Nationwide, BDSA predicts 28% growth to $24 billion. And worldwide, sales of marijuana are expected to grow 41% to $30.6 billion this year from fiscal year 2021. The firm also forecasts that global cannabis sales will roughly double in five years as more markets legalize marijuana. And that's Crane's Daily just for now. Check out our continuous news feed at chicagobusiness.com. Thanks so much to my guest today, Crane's healthcare reporter, Stephanie Goldberg. You can follow all of our conversations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to find audio on demand. And remember to rate and review Crane's Daily Gist because that's the best way for others to discover our episodes. You'll also find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter, Facebook, and on LinkedIn. Our show is produced by Todd Manley at Earsight Studios. I'm Amy Gooch. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here next time.